Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Hustle Points Podcast. I'm your red nose host, Rudolph St. Clair. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at NBA underscore Rudy, where you can tell me I clearly don't know basketball. And also be sure to check out the link in the description to join the Bucket Discord server. Today we're going to be talking about the Heat. We're going to be talking a little bit about the Sixers and Markel Fultz. And we're also going to keep an eye on the trade market just a little bit more right here in the very beginning of mid-trade trade season mid <laughs> mid-trade trades mid-season trade season or NBA trade season or the middle third whatever you want to call it we started to go over the NBA trade season a little bit last podcast in fact that was the primary focus we're gonna dip our toes back in those waters again without any further ado let's just jump right into it if uh <laughs> if that's your thing uh, I saw this really interesting article on Real GM where they're covering the story of Eric Spolster being asked about if the team should tank or not, and Spolster had a pretty interesting response. Quote, Do the history on it. What franchises have had the most enduring and sustainable success over the last 24 years? We're up there in the top three or four. The teams that constantly tank, I don't know where they are, but if you are hardwired to find a way to get it done without any excuses you'll find different pathways. There's no one way to do it, unquote. Uh, what I take away from this is really exactly what you might expect to take away from any Eric Spolster quote or anything coming out of the heat, and it's just that they want to win. Tanking isn't an option for them, which is perfectly understandable considering the very dramatic past few years the Heat have quietly had in the more recent NBA seasons. They had the season... A year or two ago, can't quite remember at this moment, where they opened the season 31 and 10. No, excuse me, they opened the season 10 and 31 and then closed the season 31 and 10 or something like that. I might be a game or two off. But it just shows you how resilient the Heat are, really exemplifies the culture down there in Miami where it's all about working hard and getting wins. Uh, really not much else to say other than the Heat maybe should tank anyway it really just depends on who you ask i am personally under the opinion that maybe they shouldn't tank i mean you can actively tank without really trading away good players and dumping assets you can tank very creatively sort of similar to how the knicks are right now with david fisdale experimenting with lineups as if this is the grizzlies team he coached with 28 different dudes on it you can you can tank without get, giving away value. So with this current upcoming draft class being so strong with those top three Duke kids, uh, Zion, R.J. Barrett, and the other one, uh, I'm sorry, I just, I don't know them. This is a really good year to tank. There's lots of talent in this upcoming year's draft. There's good incentive there to get a franchise player. But the East is also wide open. And making the playoffs is very, very good for any franchise. It's a good way to make a little bit of extra money if you're ownership. It's a good way to boost your reputation if you're a coach or a player. And it gives you a moment to shine. It's what this game is really all about. It's getting to the tournament to where you can win it all. 
It's all about winning. That's the, the point, really. That's uh, what makes tanking so controversial in nature. Uh, also, super teams, what makes them controversial in nature. But that is neither here nor there. Should the Heat tank? Should they not? I think they have enough talent to definitely make the playoffs. I think that James Johnson is pretty damn good. And Goran Dragic, even though he's been out almost this whole year uh, and with the games that he's played, probably had that knee bothering him. He is still a very valuable player. He's not quite the same as he was on the Suns, where he was basically a top 10 NBA player when you look at his efficiency numbers on offense. And even though he's not at that level, he is still exceptional. They have lots of talent there. Justice Winslow doing a great job of running the point this season, even though we uh, might traditionally think of him as a wing player. It's really a good season for the Heat all in all. They just had a really rough start. They're right there in the playoff hunt, and they could definitely make it. They're a professional and organized disciplined team. Yeah, discipline is definitely the word I'm hunting for. The Heat have always been a very disciplined team under Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley. Eric Spolstra is such a good coach that he got LeBron to play defense more often than not. LeBron, when he was on the Heatles, looked like the maximum defensive potential version of LeBron James that we all know has been cooped up inside that incredible body of his. There is a really good culture in Miami. Promotes good defense and hard work. It's a really like a like a tropical Memphis. Got got a little bit of grit and grind down there in Miami, but let me just step back for a moment and talk a little bit about the ad break that showed up in the first five episodes of this podcast on Spotify. Um, sorry if you're hearing that. It's like just a minute of your time wasted per episode if you listen to each one and didn't skip through it. Um, so I'm sure there's possibly even an hour of wasted time potentially out there in the world <laughs> because of this uh, this little mishap. But uh, I don't quite understand what happened with it. It's a... Uh, has something to do with Anchor, which is the distribution platform I use and which is advertised um, on that ad. So, sorry, but Anchor actually is a really cool product that I really do believe in. So, if you listen to it over and over and over again to try to get me some revenue, thank you. Uh, but also, we have not talked about how Marco Fultz has been diagnosed with TOS which is uh, basically where your collarbone presses down on nerves, as far as I understand it. I'm no doctor, so take this with a grain of salt, but it's where your collarbone is unnaturally pressed down and constricting your nerves, and it could be brought on by just repetitive motion, or who knows, maybe he's born with it, maybe it's Maybelline. I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor again. But he finally has a diagnosis, Markel Fultz, is indeed injured physically. Uh, maybe it's a mental thing, just a little bit, him and his uh, shooting stroke issues. Maybe it's just the TOS. Maybe it's both. Probably, in my opinion, a little bit of both. Uh, probably a lot more physical than the mainstream narrative might lead you to believe. Uh, this TOS diagnosis has flipped me from the perspective of it believing that it's a mental thing versus believing that it is a mostly physical thing. I have had a change of heart. Uh, before this diagnosis, 
these super persistent issues with him changing his shot form in a variety of ways, whether it be shuffling it around at the free throw line or shooting differently as soon as he enters the league. I, I originally believed that Markel Fultz, I, I think I've already explained this once in the podcast, but I originally believed that Markel Fultz got injured r- roughly around the draft or at the end of his college season, something like that. And he was injured. He got drafted number one overall. And he still wanted to get out there and play. So what he did was hire a shooting coach, Drew Hamlin. And from there, began to work around designing a new shot form, uh, whether it be for temporary use or eventual permanent use, to work around the injury. Now, TOS is something that might develop over time not something that you're going to live with your whole life or anything per se, except in limited circumstances based on, uh, you know, my little bit of research. But all in all, I think that instead of getting injured and then hiring a shooting coach to compensate for it, it's more so like this issue has bubbled up and become intrusive uh, whether it be because of him acknowledging the problem and trying to alter his shooting form, or whether it be after he altered his shooting form for another reason. There's just so many factors in the Markel Fultz saga that it's really hard to determine just exactly what is going on there. And that's why there's so many people calling in for trade offers and trying to get Markel off of Philadelphia, because all of this confusion around him really murks his value, really uh, creates a certain haze around him where people don't appreciate him for what he is and instead look of what he could be or maybe what he should be, what that expectation is, uh, being the number one pick overall. And so if people are calling in, uh, Sixers still want to get some good value out of him, even though he has that, that haze around him. Uh, there have been reports saying that they want at least a first-round pick, There's been reports saying that they've declined multiple trade requests, and also Elton Brand has said that we don't know if he's playing this season or not. Um, Markel went and saw, I believe, over a dozen doctors in order to get this diagnosis of TOS, and Zach Lowe of the Low Post said that his sources say that TOS is sort of like a default for these symptoms being presented in Markel's case. It's not a uh, very exciting injury or something incredibly unique, but more so it's like, well, we've eliminated everything else, so it must be this. Uh, I guess that's how medicine is practiced. Again, I'm not a doctor. But this uh, this injury, this condition, whatever you want to call it, it's common, more common among baseball players than it is basketball players uh, because of the more forceful nature of throwing a baseball, I suppose. You know, you're always at risk of throwing your arm off when you pitch a baseball 100 miles an hour. Not so much the case when you launch a basketball from 30 feet. Uh, Marco Fultz is probably going to stick around this summer, in my opinion. I, uh, I think that the Sixers need to let the flames die, I guess. Uh, if people are thinking that this is just a storm, they need to let the clouds go away. They need to wait it out and put themselves in a better position where they can leverage the pretty good contract that he's on. Not good for his value per se, but good for the sake of movability. It's 
pretty high, uh, around $10 million the next couple of seasons, plus or minus a million or two. Uh, and with that sort of number, he can be moved for a valuable player or valuable asset or to a team that's looking to take a flyer on a young kid with a lot of potential and also be able to maximize their return because of how they're taking on salary cap, maybe to enable the Sixers to do something bigger than Markel Fultz this offseason. Uh, there's been lots of speculation about them signing Jimmy Butler to the max deal, and that would be great for the team, of course. He's been an exceptional fit there in Philadelphia, both Perth's, both with his personality as well as his game. Jimmy Butler has fit like a hand in a glove into the Philly culture. Um, Joel Embiid having a monster season, probably a MVP candidate. I would say top three, maybe even top two. It really just depends on how good LeBron and the Lakers are. But really, with Markel, I just think they should hang on to him. Unless they get just an offer that they cannot refuse, like multiple first-round picks or an unprotected first-round pick from a bad team like the Hawks this season, something like that. Uh, could you imagine a Trey Young and Markel Fultz combo? Oh my God! Trey Young takes all the shots that Markel doesn't, and they might just balance each other out. That would be quite the exciting young backcourt in Atlanta to go along with John Collins in the front court, who has emerged as one of the more exciting young players in this league right now on this Atlanta Hawks team. Oh goodness, that would be quite the spectacle to see. But again, Markel. Wouldn't trade him until this summer when you have a little bit more calculability, a little bit more predictability, when you can really know what you're doing, Philadelphia. I I believe in you. You're an exceptional team. Uh, At one point, multiple points this season, I've said that Philly doesn't look like they're even a 50-win team uh, just because of the Markel drama. But now, now with him sitting out, I'm not so sure about that. They might just get to that 50 mark without having to deal with Markel Fultz being on the floor with them. I know I give Markel Fultz a hard time a lot on this podcast, especially in uh, earlier episodes. Not recently. Not recently. Uh, But he's a decent defender, okay distributor, good handles, has a good feel for the game, but he just broke his shot, whether it was from injury or from decisions he made after the injury actually happened. But still, I I believe in him. I think he could be an all-star someday. Uh, Who knows? He might just be the Joel Embiid of guards where he takes two years to to get started in his career. We shall see. And also, a quick side note here. Uh, Did anybody else see that article about how someone on Reddit basically made a speculative theory on whether or not Markel Fultz had TOS well before the TOS uh, diagnosis had actually released. I just wanted to point that out uh, just to show off the beauty of the internet. You know, anyone could be a doctor if they frame it like it's a conspiracy theory where the only people conspiring is a player who's (laughs) uh, may or may not be player tanking. Uh, Shout out to Open Floor. Uh, how many teams are interested in Jabari Parker? Uh, apparently, it's like half the league, which really surprises me. I thought people might be more hesitant on acquiring a player of Jabari's caliber with his sort of contract structure. But I think the more appealing thing about Jabari is probably his contract. 
and not so much his game. I know we talked about him a little bit last week, so I won't get too much into Jabari. Uh, but I said last week that the Rockets could really use him, and uh, it's really I'm really starting to think that they could really use him now because they're catching fire. James Harden uh, started off last week with 50-point triple-doubles and has kept up that momentum. The Rockets are not quite back to the same level they are at last season, but even with Chris Paul out now, I'm still confident that they can be a playoff team, which I wouldn't have said a week and a half ago. Uh, maybe two weeks, maybe one week, who knows. But I've been pretty low on the Rockets this year. I was low on the Rockets coming into this season because I, unlike more optimistic fans, understood how important Trevor Ariza and Luke Richard and Bayamute, which is his full name, uh, were to that team. Those guys were important, not so much because they are just super incredibly talented stars or anything like that. No, Trevor Ariza and Luke Richard and Bayamute are role players. But the function they serve of making that whole lineup totally switchable and at least passable on defense against any team in the league was very important. And the fact that they tried to replace those two guys with Michael Carter-Williams, whose only accomplishment this season was hitting the final shot in the game where the Rockets set the record again for the most team three-pointers made in a single game, uh, which is ironic. Very strange that Michael Carter-Williams is hitting that shot uh, considering that he can't shoot. But that's really the only thing he's done this season that is positive for the team. And so I didn't expect them to do very well this year. But now they're back on their grind. And now they have Austin Rivers, who pump fake being a Grizzly twice, uh, once on his own and once not. Uh, well, no, he was only involved in the in the Grizzlies trade as a potential son. And then it appeared he was going to sign with the Grizzlies upon clean, clearing waivers. But then a bunch more teams called him, or his agent, I guess, and said, hey, are you sure you want to go to Memphis, Austin? We sure could use your talents down here in Houston, and Houston is where he's going. Um, solid pickup for the Rockets. They needed a few more shooters. Um, they needed a ball handler to replace Chris Paul for the next, uh, I think it's roughly a month. I think the report is officially two to three weeks. Let's just call it a month for now. Uh, Chris Paul has never had a dramatically horrible hamstring injury, but he has had numerous numerous small hamstring injuries. So if I were Chris Paul, I would rest a little bit more than might initially want to. He needs to save his energy and his healthiness for the playoffs, for this team to even have a chance at beating the Warriors and making it to the finals, or even getting to the Western Conference Finals for that matter, because like I said, they're just not as good as last season this year. But they are still respectable, especially when James Harden is actually on his best game. I've been a bona fide James Harden hater for a long time, but if he can show me this playoffs, this postseason, that his game scales to the playoffs and that he can succeed in the playoffs, then I will jump on the James Harden bandwagon. I would even get a James Harden jersey if his numbers are statistically similar even in the playoffs to what they are in the regular season. I was doing a little bit of research the other day and trying to find some some numbers to back up my 
my intuition about James Harden, uh, my experience with James Harden personally. Uh, I looked up his playoff statistics, compared them to his regular season statistics, and sure enough, James Harden does perform significantly worse across multiple important categories. Uh, I don't have them up here in front of me right now, but I did indeed look it up. I promise. I promise. Next podcast where I have a discussion involving statistics, I'll be sure to prepare those statistics. But in this case, this topic has only came up tangentially. Thusly, I was not prepared. So, getting back to what I did write down, uh, I do think the Rockets could use Jabari Parker. <laughs> it is a good thing that they picked up Austin Rivers. It is sad for the Grizz, but not that sad. Uh, not too much of a loss in the potential Austin Rivers minutes. Uh, we got plenty of young wings that I think we can experiment and give the minutes that Austin Rivers would have taken up and potentially have more upside than Austin Rivers even. Uh, even for just this season, not just long term. So not too bad for the Grizzlies. Rockets uh, could use Jabari, but they've been hunting for KCP for a couple of weeks now. I've seen multiple reports over two full weeks saying that they really, really, really want Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And I think what that really means is that they really, really, really want to get rid of Brandon Knight. <laughs> because those contracts line up pretty evenly, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope Pulp, oh my goodness. Contavious Caldwell Pope is a more functional version of Brandon Knight. A couple inches taller, a couple inches longer, a little bit more skill on both sides of the ball in every way, uh, shooting included. Even though KCP is pretty much the founding father of the looks like he can shoot, but nobody really knows if he can or not club, whatever you want to call it, um, He's the founder, the leader, the original member, uh, the starter of <laughs> the Can He Shoot Club. Uh, KCP would help out the Rockets a lot, give them a little bit more switchability. Not quite like Trevor Ariza, not quite like Luke Richard, but he would at least be good one through four most of the time. Not really big enough to play on big men or anybody who can pretend to be a big man in certain lineups, but he would definitely help out that team. It would also be easy for the Lakers to make the trade, too. I mean, KCP helps them, but I think Josh Hart helps them more. Uh, if they could eke out a draft pick, that would help them out tremendously uh, just because this upcoming season they're going to need all the cheap contracts they can get so they can get a draft pick for this upcoming draft. That would be very nice for them. And I think the Rockets are creative enough to make that happen for them. Uh, also, Lakers and the news some more. Uh, they've been saying that, well, not themselves, but there's been rumors that the Lakers really want Terrence Ross and Beef Wellington Wayne Ellington, uh, a.k.a. they want shooters. So if Daryl Morey of the Rockets can facilitate a three-way trade to get one of those two guys off of those two Florida teams onto the Lakers in exchange for a Brandon Knight or a, and or a draft pick, as well as getting KCP to the Rockets. I think that would be a very interesting trade, and it's something that we should keep an eye out for. But most people in the media this week were talking about L.A. just because of LeBron's comments about how cool it would be to play with Anthony Davis, quote-unquote, like, duh. Um... 
LeBron later, I won't say so much walked it back, but sort of dissed the media. Uh, LeBron is very media savvy, as we all know, and he took a shot at the media in their face in the locker room during an interview. Would I like to play with Chris Paul? Or would I like to play with... Or I don't remember the actual players that he said. It's, it's just part of part of the media and its nature. You know, we, we live in an attention economy that's never had any sort of recession. There's always eyes to be glued to a screen. There's always ears to hear whatever message you're putting out there. And so now more than ever, there are stories flooding <laughs> the media that aren't necessarily the most compelling stories if they weren't propelled by the media trying to instill a certain narrative not because they have an agenda no um some media outlets do but in sports for the most part if you're putting out a certain narrative it's not for the sake of an agenda it's for the sake of entertainment but the idea of thinking about anthony davis going to la with lebron while somewhat entertaining of a thought is not news (laughs) like a thought experiment of a possibility that has really no evidence to support it other than everyone's intuition everyone's lakers exceptionalism ideologies everyone's you know paying attention to the media then this story wouldn't really exist if it weren't for all those things but if we're being honest which we always do on this podcast I've got to say, as much as Anthony Davis has personally propped up his loyalty to New Orleans, to the Pelicans, I just don't believe it. (laughs) Like, whether it's by some sort of malicious and deceptive intent by players, or just in a sincere but unfortunate accidental happening, it seems like every time I hear a player talk about how loyal they are and how they want to go down as one of those rare players that only plays for one team, yada, yada, yada. It feels like yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. It doesn't feel real because even those players who believe that will still be persuaded by a freaking buttload of cash. (laughs) But if you have players like Anthony Davis, who are generational talents, part of the elite core of absolute top-tier talent. There are so many factors going on into their decision. We honestly, as mere fans, even reporters and insiders, simply can't know what to expect. It's really hard to predict what Anthony Davis is going to do. Even though he's always said that he loves New Orleans, he wants to be the man in New Orleans. He wants to develop a legacy in New Orleans. However, recently, Anthony Davis has also said that he would choose legacy over money. So, since the Pelicans are in prime position, mostly to offer him the most money, the real question is, can they offer him the most legacy? If he's out there doing his best playing his best ball, the Pelicans have a chance. But that's true on any team. Anthony Davis's season has really come into his own and appearing to understand just how good he is. 
But in spite of that, he still has injury problems. His team has had injury problems. And in the very, 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 very competitive Western Conference, the Pelicans are far from standing out. So it's not looking like it's prime positioning for New Orleans to do anything but trade him. Not this season, but next. Probably to the Lakers, or whoever has the highest offer. I think it would be very interesting to see Anthony Davis in a rental situation where he's basically just showing off his talents, having no sort of mindset regarding legacy or anything other than playing his best basketball and showing everybody, the owner of 29 or 28 or 30 teams, whatever, what he can do. I think that will be very exciting to see. But we're not there yet. If you're in New Orleans, appreciate Anthony Davis while he's there. And hopefully, after he's gone, y'all can get a generational talent sooner rather than later. Once again. And actually build a supporting cast around him, which is good enough to get the first ever Pelicans title. But my prediction is that this is not the team, nor is it the player. It just hasn't worked out so far. And so... Don't let them walk for nothing. And now it's time for everybody's favorite closing segment in the NBA podcast game. Seven seconds or less. If you don't know what it is by now, then I guess you'll never know. Because I don't have time to explain it. Because it's about to start. So without any further ado, here we go. Thunder head coach Billy Donovan's contract extended until 2020. The Thunder are the second best team in the West with an elite defense, so he earned it. LeBron and Lonzo had twin triple-doubles in the same game. Lonzo is the best young Laker, Brad. Fox and Bagley are the next KD in Westbrook, according to Dave Yeager. He is just compensating for the Luka remarks, feeling a little bit cocky since they're winning. Ty Lue has been brought on to the Clippers coaching staff for an informal role by Doc Rivers. He deserves it because he helped bring Cleveland a ring. So, um... Anonymous Bucks official says the team will do everything to re-sign Chris Middleton, and uh, that just makes my read of the Delhi-George Hill trade looking more and more likely that it was a move thinking for Chris Middleton. Jared Allen uh, blocks LeBron at the rim. Uh, he's a multiple-time All-Star lock, and Joel Embiid doesn't like shooting threes, and it doesn't matter. That that was a uh, that was too close for comfort, honestly. <laughs> um, whew, I think I barely even got take number seven in. Uh, I didn't have time at the beginning to explain, so if uh, you don't know what just happened, I had 45 seconds on the clock to read you seven headlines, giving me roughly seven seconds or less each headline to read and react to it, and number seven is usually a sort of bold claim type of deal. But uh, if you made it through that, that was a... And by that, I mean, of course, the whole episode, but... Also, that addition of seven seconds or less, which barely, barely even got under the 45-second mark. Um, thank you. Uh, thank you for listening to any and all episodes, past, present, or future, of the Hustle Points podcast. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, at NBA underscore Rudy. And also, get in the Bucket Discord server. It's in the description of this podcast, in case you forgot in the beginning of the episode. So with that being said, again, thank you. Keep us. 
keep hustling, keep moving. I'm the 